Welcome back to Chef Talk. I am your host, Gary Sheffield Jr. We have a great show today, which is going to be brought to you guys by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 4 million men worldwide with Manscaped for this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the barcode CHEF. Make sure you guys put chef in there. Otherwise, you're going to lose money, and we don't want that. Um, ton of inflation going on. Um, hate it. I talk about it all the time. And when you have 20% off, you can't miss that opportunity. So um, Manscaped, do it. So today's show, we have Trevor Bauer. And, and I know we normally talk Yankees, but Trevor Bauer's situation is just too juicy. I have to speak on it. And, and just the whole cancel culture. Like what's going on with, with Twitter, Twitter pretty much dictates how people feel all the time. And, and it essentially controls narrative. Um, I'm going to talk about all of that. Um, we're talking James Harden and Ben Simmons um, who won the trade. And I mean, I I've been hard on James Harden for years. We're going to talk about all of that. Um, I've tried to support Ben Simmons a little bit and yeah, you need to be able to shoot a jump shot, but ultimately we have to talk about that and, and whether or not he's a good fit in Brooklyn. And then Gary Sanchez. And some people have been talking to me, especially this week. They brought up his, his contract. He's arbitration says he's supposed to make $7 million, at least if baseball is played this year. And Gary Sanchez is obviously not worth $7 million. And it's just a matter of whether or not you think he'll live up to his potential. I'll discuss if he's ever going to do that. And, and But we have to start with Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, to me, is the most important thing going in baseball now, especially with the lockout, Trevor Bauer has been exonerated from, from all charges. He's not going to get in trouble, at least in terms of the law. But Ken Rosenthal and plenty others, Jeff Passan, they've reported that he can still get in trouble from Major League Baseball. And people have asked me why that would ever be the case. And essentially, what I try to let people know is that in the NFL, when we've all complained this guy got one suspension and then they were hypocritical, giving another player the uh, even longer suspension for doing the same thing. Really what it goes to show you is that the commissioners have full control. They don't have to make sense. There's no jury. There's no process. There's, there's no due process. If you are innocent, if Major League Baseball sees you as negative PR, they will give you a suspension to cover their asses. That's their job. That's what Rob Manfred's doing for the owners. That's what he's doing. When you suspend Trevor Bauer, which really what happened was he found a girl who consensually agreed to hitting in the bedroom. That's really what happened. They met up a first time. If you read the case, which I've tried to do so, I'm not going to read the entire thing. It's long. And she agreed that there would be hitting during this whole process. She showed up. Had a, apparently had a great time according to these text messages that we have that are offered to the public that you can read for yourself. And she went home and proceeded to text Trevor Bauer and say that she wanted more of it and she wanted harder and, and all these things, right? And, and obviously it's uncomfortable because it's someone's sex life. It's, it's strange. But the reality is she agreed to it. And not only did she agree to it and, and support it, she showed back up a second time. She showed up a second time. She asked for it to be harder. And long behold, you leave with black eyes, bruises, all types of stuff. And the people around her most likely 
most likely told her, hey, this looks really bad on his part. And Trevor Bauer, a lot of people don't like Trevor Bauer. Newsflash. A lot of people don't like Trevor Bauer. Is it warranted? I can't say it's not warranted because he's a little bit like me. Trevor, and we're not the same person. We're all unique individuals. But one thing about Trevor Bauer is he's not going to conform to be liked. He's going to try his best to be himself. That's what he's trying to do. Of course, is he thinking about the Los Angeles Dodgers and what he's doing to represent them? Yes. But is Trevor Bauer going to change his entire personality for for different teammates and, and different people to like him? No, he has to be himself. And that's his personality. Love him or hate him. He is who he is. It's how I am as well. In half of the internet, you're going to either love him or hate him on the internet. And hate travels much faster. You tweet, you tweet, I love Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Not too many clicks. But if you tweet that you hate Trevor Bauer, that you can't stand him, that he's a pig. And these are all unwarranted, unwarranted messages. No one, no one really has any real reason to hate Trevor Bauer other than the fact that he's not going to conform. And reality has shown us, the time has shown us, if you do not conform to the general public, you will be disliked. That's, that's what we've learned about Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer has shown us that. The second any case comes down, half of the internet already knows what they think about the case. They believe whoever comes forward. Doesn't matter what the case says. Do they know what the case says? No, they didn't read it. A quarter of them will lie to us and tell us that they read that they read the entire case. They didn't read the case. You know who did read the case? The courts. They read the case. And they were dropped. Why? Because her lawyers realized we don't really have a case here. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. Sorry. And I understand there's some people who are going to feel like this really hits home. And it it reminds me of a story that I had. And everyone's case needs to be listened to individually. But we don't do that in sports anymore. Everyone's worried about how soon can I get this information? How fast can I make a judgment? Because they want to say right off the rip, I knew Trevor Bauer was guilty. And then if the justice system says he's innocent, they pretend like it was a shortcut process. He was a white man who took care, who took advantage of the system. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. His agent, Rachel Luba, who's done a fantastic job being as transparent as she could possibly be throughout this whole process, couldn't be more transparent. She, she talks when she's allowed to talk in the court, when the court allows it to happen. She's done it. They release videos. Trevor Bowers released videos. He can talk until he's blue in the face. But 50%, 65-70% of social media, they already know how they feel about him as a person. So any case that came down on him, it's personal. They can't wait to get him out of baseball. I saw within the first, within the first 24 hours, when we heard that Trevor Bauer had this case looming, people already made judgments, whether it was he was innocent or he was guilty. And everyone can admit it. Everybody. And I tweeted the first day, someone asked me, what do you feel about Trevor Bauer? Do you think that this, this case has legs? What is he ever going to pitch again? Will this guy ever pitch for the Dodgers? Will he ever pitch in major league baseball ever again? They asked me that. And I told them with a, I told them straight up, you can't make a judgment 
as, as difficult as society has made that, you can't make a judgment. And when you tell society through a tweet, which I did, that I'm waiting until the facts present themselves, they treat it as if you're saying he's innocent. And Trevor Bauer, it's his job to say I'm innocent, but he didn't ask us to believe his entire story. He said, wait until the facts reveal themselves. Then you will see what happened. Did we do that? Nope. No one did that. No one. Rachel Luba said that to you. Wait until the facts present themselves. Now that the facts have shown themselves, here's the result. He knew the result. Is it weird what I'm doing behind the scenes with my private life? Sure. A lot of people in society would think it is kind of weird to show up to meet a girl on the internet and show up hitting and all that. Is it weird? Okay. He might admit to that, but to say that it was negligent, that he was a a criminal? No. That's why he pled not guilty. And now that the case has gone through, it's gone through everything, the restraining orders, all which is negative PR to Trevor Bauer. All of it. The people who didn't like him hate him even more. He's a polarizing figure. It's sad. And now sexual assault in in athletics is weaponized. It's weaponized throughout our entire society. People come forward with cases and you have half of society believing we need to believe all cases. No, wrong. We need to listen to all cases. Obviously, there's cases that are so, so baloney, you can't even hear them. You can't. But we can't allow a system where people show up with sexual assault cases where they consented to what went down. We can't have that. Just because it's weird doesn't mean someone deserves a suspension, which, by the way, Trevor Bauer is probably going to receive a suspension for Major League Baseball, even though the court said he's innocent. The court said you do not have a case here. So we're not even moving forward with the case. Suspended. Why? And trust me. There are some people listening to my show today thinking, how negligent of him to say this. This is so sad. This is what makes it so difficult. No, no, no. People coming forward with stories that are not worth hearing are making it difficult for people who are, abu- who are abused. That's what's happening. Victims of sexual abuse, their cases are more difficult to be heard because people come to us with garbage stories. That's why. Blame people coming forward with stories that don't deserve to be heard. I don't want to hear about your sex life if something illegal didn't happen. I don't want to hear it. I really don't. You're making it more difficult on women, especially. And you're making life for sports fans very difficult because we don't get to watch some of the greatest pitchers and hitters that the game has to offer because they're sitting out for an entire baseball season and they're going to be suspended for the following season. Because they had to endure a case that made no sense. This whole process is making society more difficult. It's making enjoying the game more difficult. Really sad. It's sad. Here we are in baseball and we're in the middle of a lockout. We're sitting here talking about Trevor Bauer and his sexual assault case and and his restraining order. What? What? I've read the case as much as I possibly can. I have. Your, your private life? 
someone's going to come to you with your private life, say, yeah, I had a bruise. And, and this is, and this is what it meant. People don't show up texting their friends saying they had a great time and I can't wait to come back. And they, they come back and that happens. That's not how it's going down. That case is not, is nonsense. And it's polarizing to say that into today's society. It's polarizing. I don't get it. And I try to tell people, I want to listen to every case. I want to. But once I listen to your case, don't expect all of us to come to the same conclusion that you did because you don't like the person. Can't do that. There are plenty of people that I'm not a huge fan of on social media. If a sexual assault case came down on one of them, you think I'm going to jump to conclusions? You can't. It's called being an irresponsible adult. And what Twitter has done is made a lot of us irresponsible adults. It's what we do. We spread misinformation and and just stories that we haven't read too much into. We haven't read a lot into it. You can't do that. But we can't help ourselves. The people who were wrong about Trevor Bauer six months ago, nine months ago, they're still doubling down on their message. He's still a bad person. He's still dealing with all the negative PR. He tweets a YouTube video trying to explain the case as clear as he possibly can. And what, is, what do people tell him? I'm not listening to that. You're trash. You're garbage. It's all negative. Sure, there's going to be positive people out there. There's positive people everywhere. But for the most part, it's negative. He received negative PR because of a story that had no legs. Really sad. Really sad. So I want to move on to the NBA. James Harden was just traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. And for people who like the Yankees, you probably like the Nets as well. Probably mostly Knicks, but still in the same town. The Brooklyn Nets just received Ben Simmons, which I personally said that Ben Simmons was a perfect fit in Brooklyn. And I don't say that about guys who can't shoot the basketball in a job that literally requires you to shoot the ball. It's what you're supposed to do is put the ball in the basket. But if there's one team in the NBA, I'd say there's probably two or three teams in the NBA who can fit a Ben Simmons into their starting lineup. It's the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, and probably the Brooklyn Nets. When you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two certified gunners, which we have no idea with the COVID protocols, if they're going to allow Kyrie Irving without the vaccination to play. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen there. But if they lift those vaccination mandates in New York and Kyrie and Kevin Durant are his wingmen, when would Ben Simmons have to shoot the rock realistically? And I understand that you might think that James Harden is a better player than Ben Simmons. And that may be true, but you also have to consider fit. Is it, does it make any sense really to have a player taking 15 to 20 jump shots when you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant to your left and right? I don't think so. I think there's only a certain amount of shots on the court that can be taken. And when you have a pass first point guard and two certified gunners on the wings, you don't, you don't need a guy shooting the ball. Why would you want James Harden shooting the ball? He might have a slow shooting night. The player who is most realistically going to have less of an opportunity to have a bad shooting night is Kyrie and Kevin Durant. They're two better scorers. They're better scorers than James Harden. I, I don't care about the free throws and all that garbage. That's not how you score in the playoffs. The best scorers on that team were Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant being the best scorer on the roster by far. And James Harden was taking shots. Ben Simmons, who is a defensive stopper defensive stopper he's unreal on the defensive end and he's a pass first guy Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to get their shots they're dangerous 
Their benches got a lot better. Seth Curry was involved in that deal. Patty Mills is going to be coming off the bench. Blake Griffin, they're going to be very good. I know they just lost eight in a row. They're probably going to lose tonight. It's going to be nine. They're going to be good. And as for the 76ers, they're receiving James Harden. James Harden has never thought he was the problem ever. Never. And from my understanding, this is exactly where he wants to be. But one thing I want people to understand is we need to be hesitant. When you start dating a girl and she tells you her exes were all crazy, all of them sucked, you're next. It's just the way the world works. When you date somebody and they say that everybody they've ever dated is not a good partner, you can't expect you're going to be any different. If they don't take any responsibility, which James Harden has taken none, you don't, if you don't take any responsibility, that's going to happen. They're just going to show up to their news, their new spot, exactly where you chose to be. They'll find something wrong because that's what happens in situations. No matter where you go, no matter what job you take, something's wrong with your new job, with your new house, with your new car, something breaks down and you need to troubleshoot. You need to overcome. And if you can't overcome you're going to quit. And if this doesn't work in year one of, in Philadelphia, James Harden will probably opt into year two, which I guess he's already done. It's a $47 million deal a year. He's going to opt into that. Makes sense, financially speaking. But what happens if he's taking a huge... What, what happens if, if all of a sudden James Harden doesn't play well in the playoffs this year? What then? They're going to blame him. It's not Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is arguably the best interior scorer in the game today. I expect him to average 30 in the postseason. He always does. Has James Harden ever, has he ever been not the reason his team lost? I don't think so. I think James Harden is usually the guy who is coming up short. He will take the blame in Philadelphia if this doesn't work. So for his sake, I hope it does. But I've tried to tell people, you can't put faith in something that's never worked. I've looked at Joel Embiid and said, he wasn't the reason that they lost. They just couldn't find a guy who could score, who could shoot the ball late in games. Tobias Harris, you can find other players to blame. James Harden, you can't blame every other star that you've ever played with. Can't do that. Did it with Russell Westbrook. Did it Dwight Howard, ship him out of town. Chris Paul, get him out of town. That's, that's what he's done. And I understand that he's not ending up in situations. He was traded to Houston. He didn't choose to go to these specific teams. And now he's going to the exact team he wants. That's worth noting. But when you have a guy who's going to throw a fit when he doesn't get his way, and now he's finally gotten his way, you have to hope that this is an OBJ situation. Will it be? I don't know. I really don't know. There's a lot of pressure in the NBA, and there's not as much pressure on OBJ. This is, that's football. There's plenty others. Cooper Cup. There's guys who can take pressure off you. No one's taking pressure off James Harden in the playoffs. It's not just one person's performance. It's usually a little one-two punch. And they expect both players to punch. If James Harden doesn't bring it, the storm is on his head. And Philly? Yeah. Philadelphia is coming for your head if you don't come ready to play. At the very least, effort. But they expect you to play well. It's just like New York. You don't play well. They are trying to figure out who's the problem. And I have a pretty good feeling it's not going to be Joel Embiid. That dude's money. He's been money. Not James Harden.
not the beard. When MVP is all you want. And winning MVPs has nothing to do with what you do in the postseason. So in, from my perspective, Brooklyn won this trade. I know they're not getting the better player. I understand that. But the fit is just too good. It, it is. James Harden does most of scoring in the interior. Guess who else is in the interior? Joel Embiid. Can't really shoot the ball high percentage from deep. So he's not really a spacer. He likes to drive to the rim, get fouled. It's exactly where Embiid likes to play. I mean, we've seen LeBron and AD coexist in, 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 in similar avenues into the paint. I get that. But to me, Ben Simmons isn't going to be asked to do jack on the offensive end. Dish the rock, push the pace. It's like Alonzo Ball. Exactly what he did in Chicago. Defend, push the rock, push the pace. And Brooklyn should be dangerous. I like Brooklyn in this trade. I really do. And I still think they're the favorites. Even though you've got the James Harden and B duo, I don't care. I think, I think Brooklyn's the better team. I really do. I do. And so I'm just trusting and I, hopefully Daryl Morey doesn't see this. He has me on Twitter, but I think Brooklyn, I think they fleeced. I I really do. And the last thing we have to pivot back to the Yankees. I want to finish with the Yankees and I want to talk about one player in particular. It's Gary Sanchez. And someone asked me today how I felt about Gary Sanchez, what they should do with him. And Someone was really being hard on why, why I'm not wanting to take another risk on Gary Sanchez. And I want to explain to people that it's a gamble when you bring somebody onto the roster. This is all players. This is free agency signings. This is trades. doesn't matter. This is, this is people that you bring up from the minor leagues. All of it's a risk, no matter what you do. But here's one thing I want people to, to understand when it comes to perspective on Gary Sanchez. Gary has been good in one season of five. Okay. He was excellent in 20, I believe it was 2017. He was good. He had a down year in 18, 19. He wasn't good in 20. That's when I see the way I see that is I have to look at odds. Gary Sanchez has been good in about a quarter, if not a fifth of his baseball seasons, which is 25 to 20%. Not great odds, right? Well, I'm a big gambler myself. I don't, I'm not going broke over it, but I definitely love going to the casino and I love to play blackjack. Blackjack, you have about 50-50 odds to win a hand, okay? You come into the hand understanding that you have a one in one and two chance to win and you, you base your bets based on those odds, and that's why people like the game. Your odds aren't that bad. Pretty good. Well, what if I told you they changed the odds to blackjack from one and two to one and five? Would you still bet the same bets that you're making? Probably not. You have an 80% chance to lose your money and you're going to put down the same money that you would have? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But that's what the Yankees are doing. They're betting $7 million if they keep him on the roster, which hopefully they don't. One-fifth the odds. 20% chance that that's going to pan out. 20%. And oh, by the way, if he does play well, he's going to ask for far more than $7 million. Are you willing to... If he has another, if he has another good season in 2022, and you go, his agent turns around and says... Well, he just, he's coming off a great year. 
this, we want this. He was good in two of five and six seasons, two of six seasons. And he's, you're going to look at him and say, yeah, he's worth the big JT real Muto investment. I don't see that even off a, a great year. He's not, he's got all the tools. Gary Sanchez has all the tools, got a cannon. He, he's got power. If he hits the ball, man, it goes. Gary Sanchez looks on his good days like one of the best catchers in the big leagues. But the problem is for people who watch Yes Network every day, we're listening to Michael K every day. You see the habits of Gary Sanchez and his habits do not compute. They don't compute into a elite high paid catcher. He doesn't put that type of trust in me. Does he put that type of trust in, in Brian Cashman? Really? Hal Steinbrenner, they have that type of trust in him? What I think is that they're afraid. I think they're terrified that Gary Sanchez is going to get into these other organizations and he's going to show that the Yankees are failing in terms of development, that he's going to turn into the offensive Sonny Gray. That this guy, we have no use for him, we'll boom off the field, send him to another organization with less pressure, and suddenly Gary Sanchez is going to relax, he's going to tone down his swing, tone down his leg kick, and he's going to give you 275 with 30 bombs. And the Yankees are going to look stupid. But ultimately, if you keep Gary Sanchez on the roster playing the way that apparently they're teaching him how to do, you also look stupid. So whether or not you keep him or get rid of him, you look dumb. Just cut your losses. Make a move. You need if, if you want to win a championship, you need a guy who can catch the ball. We don't have that. Kyle Higashioka is the best defensive catcher that we have, absent of the minor leagues. But Kyle is the guy defensively. It's a reason that Garrett Cole wanted him to catch. It's because he's the best guy back there. Might not be able to hit. Maybe on a given day, Kyle can 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 give you a nice little knock or two. That's fine. But is Kyle Higashioka the catcher of the future? No. Nope. But he's the only guy in the big, he's the only guy in the big league roster who can catch the damn baseball, who can block the baseball. He's it. That's it. And to me, based on the odds of Gary Sanchez being good next year and the year and the years beyond, we gotta find, we've got to find a move. We've got to figure out what we're doing. And I told you guys in the first episode that I had. I am not of the idea that we need to trade everybody, that we need to freak out and, and, and just completely revamp this entire roster. We are not a championship roster, but we're also not terrible. We're not. We were not as bad as we were last year. We can't be that bad. There's, there's no way. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what team you select. If you put a catcher on that roster who can't block the ball, who can't hit, who's really not excelling at any area of baseball other than hitting home runs, what can you expect? A lot of these teams, they have guys who can, who can catch the ball back there. There's a reason the Yankees were looking at Maldonado from Houston. They wanted to, to get that nice Garrett Cole pairing that he had. There's a reason for that. But they haven't pulled the trigger. I don't know why. I don't. And I don't want to be the GM either of the Yankees. Being the GM of the Yankees seems stressful. You make one move, people say you should have done the other. You give this guy an extension, they said you should have given to someone else. I understand the difficulty of the job. People just nitpick everything. And we have to be realistic as well. But when a guy plays one good season in four, you can't tell me that the fifth and the sixth and the seventh 
have an, have a high opportunity to, to be played well. You can't tell me that. The Yankees are too, they have make way too much money to be taking these type of risks. This this is not we're not the Kansas City Royals, okay? We're not. Just because Gary Sanchez is he's only going to cost us seven million as opposed to what a JT Realmuto, we can't think that way. We can't. We have to think macro. How many championships can we win with Gary Sanchez back there? Do they believe we can win a championship with Gary Sanchez back there? I personally don't see that. I don't. And I'd say the odds of Gary Sanchez playing well this year, about 10 to 15%. That's not very high. He's played a few seasons in a row of bad baseball. Do I believe that Glaber Torres can turn it around? Yes, I do. I do. But the culture has to be very different, which is why I said Carlos Correa needs to be Carlos Correa needs to be in that locker room to change the culture to impact Glaber Torres. That's why you don't see me clamoring about trading Glaber Torres, but I'm more strict on Gary Sanchez. I don't believe Gary Sanchez isn't playing well. I don't think he's playing poorly because of a lack of culture. I just think he's not a good enough player to help this team win a championship. As opposed to Glaber Torres, which I've seen at least somewhat recently, that he can do something like that. This last, this last year, Glaber Torres showed a little glimpse, a little glimpse, and that was about it. That's better than what Gary Sanchez was doing. Gary Sanchez will give you about 10 days where you go, who the hell is this guy? Is he Mickey Mantle? And then for a month and a half, two, mo- two and a half months, the guy will literally look like he hasn't played. Like, he's, like he just rehabbed an injury and he's trying to get his footing. Like he's nervous. And, and I understand, I watched my dad play in New York. Plenty of players folded under the pressure. It's a lot of pressure. People are paying attention to your every move. But if a guy isn't reacting, he's not responding well to, to harsh coaching or, or a harsh fan base, you can't sit there and juggle and try to figure out why. You can't spend five or six years trying to understand why that's happening. You have to find solutions. And that solution to me doesn't include Gary Sanchez. It doesn't. So I hope that someone's listening, someone's understanding of, of where I'm coming from with Gary Sanchez, because do I think he's a, he's a lazy and a bad player the way I see on Twitter? No, I don't. I don't see that. I think he's formed bad habits and he can't get out of this rut in New York. It's a lot of pressure. It's difficult to come out of a rut. I've watched my dad's teammates get in a little bit of a funk. And then you see it and say, okay, well, I just watched a month, month and a half ago you just jump right on your feet. Why can't you get out of again? It's because they're in their head. I understand that. I do. I sympathize with it. Obviously, we weren't in the locker room. Most of us who are listening today weren't in the locker room. We weren't playing. We don't un- really understand the pressures, but we have to somewhat sympathize with it, don't we? So I'm not here to badmouth Gary Sanchez. I just don't think he's a perfect fit for the Yankees, and I think they should find another fit. I do especially now that it's time to pay him a $7 million. It's going to be a $7 million hit on the, on the, on the cap. Really? I just don't see that risk making sense. Not right now, not with as many needs as the Yankees have when they could be using that money on so many other things like a shortstop in Carlos Correa. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, Carlos Correa. So that's going to be it um, today. And I just want to let you guys know, If you guys could subscribe to this YouTube show, if you are watching on Twitch, please sub. I would appreciate that a ton. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. That would be fantastic for us. Helps with the algorithm, helps us grow the show. We would be 
Um, very appreciative of you guys. Share on Twitter for all you guys that that follow me from Twitter, um, Instagram, whatever platform floats your boat, man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks. Before it hits the front page, NYY News.